Riders is the story of a troop of motorcyclists who are members of a traveling renaissance fair. They move from town to town, staging full medieval jousting tournaments with the combatants in suits of armor, wielding lances, battle axes, maces, and broadswords. The spectacle of this magnificent pageant soon garners national attention, much to the dismay of the current king of this Camelot. A conflict arises as they try to maintain their fairy tale existence in a world wrought with corruption. Can they hold on to their Camelot state of mind? This is a finely crafted film written and directed by George A. Romero, who brought us Night of the Living Dead and Creepshow, and continues in his tradition of visual mastery here with Night Riders. Newsweek said of Romero's talents, Romero's combination of wit and horror is the best since Hitchcock. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. Bros. Here review B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. Here as we conclude our George Romero Tribute Month, we are taking a look at his 1981 drama film, Night Riders. Yes, this is one, despite being directed and written by George Romero, and despite what it said in the back of the box, is not a horror film. So you heard what uh, what the back of the DVD box had to say. Let's dive right into this shit with our technical di- te- technical difficulties. Because if you don't know about George Romero at this point in the month, then I, I don't know why you're even listening. So let's let's start out with the with the bad of this movie with the bottom. How about you get us started, Paul? Sure. Throughout this film, new characters are just kind of randomly introduced and. Most of them don't really make much of an impact on the film, and it's really hard to keep track of everything after a while. Also, Ken Forhey is in this film, and he's extremely underutilized. That's basically a crime. Number two, this movie was clearly trying to have some kind of commentary against greed and corruption, but didn't really have much to say about it. The corrupt police officer was just kind of what amounted to a comic book, uh, comic book villain, and... If there's any lesson to really be learned from this film, it's that maybe some films just don't need a, need a lesson in general. And number one, the protagonist, Billy, is just kind of a dick. He goes on about the evils of capitalism and greed, but has no problem yelling at those he disagrees with, and even at times getting violent toward them. Billy believes that the very idea of wanting any kind of personal wealth is immoral. However, he spends his whole time LARPing as a medieval king, where he's free to impose his will on, every, on everyone around him, regardless of what they want. He kind of re- redeems himself toward the end, where he gives up his crown and beats the shit out of a cop. But there's really no cause for the growth, and it just kind of comes off as random. It wasn't really a deserved pers- uh, character development. Well, for me, number three. Uh, kind of in line with your number two, but uh, this film tries to have a plot. It shouldn't have a plot. This, this film is about the action, and really, it should have just stayed with the action. Number two. The costume design for Tom Savini's Band of Knights after they leave Billy is just fucking ludicrous. Whoever thought it would really good, look really good, is just a fucking moron. Like, it's, it's fucking foam rubber tubing pieces of shit what the fuck who thought it looked good I, you know it was the 80s it's fucking sparkly they're they're knights they shouldn't be sparkly they shouldn't be foam rubber tubing they should be fucking heavy metal and shit and they are the knights that sparkle fucking number one in the beginning of the movie billy seems like a cool person then he quickly devolves into the biggest douchebag of the movie Refusing to give a child an autograph because he's 
the child adores him and found him in a fucking magazine. Oh, heaven forbid, I'm in a magazine. I can't autograph a magazine. You fucking douche. He starts yelling at people all the time and being dictatorish as his kingdom falls apart. And because he's yelling at people and everything else, he's driving more and more of his subjects away from this. Really, it is. It's like a fucking imaginary kingdom. And he, he just does nothing to redeem himself throughout the movie. Even his little redemption arc at the very end is just kind of null and void by that point. Yeah, he tries to take all these moral stances on things, but he, he really doesn't stand for anything except I like to live in my little imaginary world and that's it. And then once he loses his imaginary world, he just kind of, like, gives up on life. Oh, yeah. It really doesn't tie well together. Well, I think maybe uh, maybe we should get to the top three, then. All right. For number three, I thought the dialogue in this film was pretty clever. It was... A few of the lines made me laugh, and, yeah, overall it was well-written. Exactly what I'd expect from a movie by George Romero. Number two... I really liked what a close group of friends most of the um, writers and other members of the Renaissance Fair were. It not only made the characters more likable, but it also made any of the challenges and problems they faced that much more compelling because you knew that if something happened to one of them, it affected the entire group. And number two, jousting on motorcycles. Sorry, number one, jousting on motorcycles is just way cooler than jousting on horses. I like the Renaissance Fair and all, but... It's hard to argue that having motorcycles instead of horses would make it a lot more fun, especially with a turkey leg and a beer. So for me, number three, Ken Forey is in this film, and he instantly makes any film that he's in better. Despite the fact that he was extremely underutilized in this film. Well, um, that depends on how you want to look at it, because in this film, he was the blacksmith. And without the blacksmith, they wouldn't have the weapons to do the jousting and the fighting and anything. So he actually does play a very important role, even if his on-screen time and his dialogue is not up to par with his normal standards. Yeah, Ken Forey put the black in blacksmith. Number two, Tom Savini rightfully earns his place as king, although it happens a lot later in the movie than it really should have. You know, it happens nonetheless. And although he is a big douchebag in this movie, he is a lesser douchebag than Ed Harris in the film, which kind of says a lot. Oh, yeah. Number one, the motorcycle action sequences are just amazing and actually pretty unique, even by film standards. You know, it was like modern day chariot races and chariot battles like like it was less medieval and more like Romanesque. It's just, it's just so beautiful. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, Paul mentioned it. He thought the dialogue was a little clever. So let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. Quote war. We'll quote the movie back and forth, and you can tell us who wins. I think I'll get us started this time. Shut up and get me another beer. Daddy, you're a slob. A fat slob jerk. I'll fix your pipe, you know. Don't forget to pick up, pick up a helmet. It looks like your head, except with a chin strap. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm trying to fight a dragon. Hey, you're going to cool off and take it easy, or am I going to have to shoot you in the foot or something? I gotta love myself. Everyone else thinks I'm a bastard. That's your problem. My problem is knocking you off this horse. And that ends this episode edition of Quote Wars. If you've ever seen Knight Riders and have a favorite quote from this movie... Share it in the comments below, or tell us who won this episode's edition of Quote Wars. 
I think it's time for us to give this film our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a 4 out of 10. I also gave it a 4 out of 10. Very simply put, I just have to say, you know, Knight Riders is all about the awesome motorcycle fighting scenes with knights beating the shit out of each other with medieval weaponry. Also, it has bare tits. That sums up the film pretty much. You know, yeah, it does have some big names like Ed Harris, Tom Savini, and Ken Forey. The acting is decent, but the storyline really detracts from the action sequences. If you're going to check this out, just find the motorcycle fights, watch that, and skip the rest of the film. You won't be missing much. Yeah, tits and motorcycles are pretty awesome to have in a movie. Knight Rider is a fun movie with a unique concept. Renaissance Fair that uses motorcycles for jousting instead of horses is awesome, and made for some great battle scenes. The characters were, were all perfectly casted and managed to play off each other in a way that was both interesting and created some un- unexpected conflicts. Unfortunately, there are so many characters bringing their own drama into the mix that it's difficult to keep track of anything, let alone care about the overall story. There's also a ton of meaningless bickering between the members of the Renaissance Fair, most of which fail to advance the plot in any meaningful way, and both the protagonist and antagonist are complete dicks. Billy, played by Ed Harris, was a narcissistic, bipolar jackass, and Morgan, played by Tom Savini, is a greedy, unlikable bastard. Like many of George Romero's films, Knight Rider attempted to serve as a commentary on the various contemporary issues of the time, However, unlike films such as Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, or Martin, which had clear yet complex messages and a well-put-together plot, Knight Rider didn't seem to know what it was trying to say, and ended up getting bogged down by bullshit drama and seemingly endless exposition scenes. Had Knight Rider taken itself less seriously, it would have been a much more entertaining film. Also, the ending of this movie is just bullshit, and came, came off as forced. Nothing was tied together, nothing was resolved, and they just kind of killed off a character for no real reason. So there you have it, a 4 out of 10 from both of us for various reasons. Now, we know not not everyone likes to watch the same kind of shit that we do, so we give every B-movie we review an A-movie companion and tell you why this B-movie and A-movie are the same film, just of different standards and class. For me... I gave my A-movie companion to The Rock from 1996. I picked Ghost Rider from 2007. You know, both The Rock and Knight Riders were made by directors who are famous for one thing in particular. George Romero for his social commentary in films. and, And Michael Bay, who's known for fucking explosions and shit. You know, the explosion guy. Both, in both films, Ed Harris defends his kingdom from a rival force. Whether it's his literal make-believe kingdom besieged by the Black Knight, Sir Morgan, or the hijacked island of Alcatraz, which he's defending from the U.S. government. In both films, there are awesome action sequences. You know, you have the great, you know, knight-riding sequences of knights on motorcycles beating the shit out of each other. And you have things like the bathroom scene, which is just an all-out shootout bloodbath. And finally, both films have a sex symbol rivaling Ed Harris. In Knight Riders, it's Tom Savini. 
you know, with the mustache and you know, he was sex machine in From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, and in, I mean, the 70s had just ended, so, you know, that sta- it was all about the stash. And in The Rock, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage? Wait, don't, don't you mean Sean Connery? No, Nicolas Cage is way fucking sexier than Sean Connery. Because yeah, I can't argue that. And speaking of Nicolas Cage, my, I picked Ghost Rider from 2007 because both movies have the word rider in the title. Both movies feature characters riding motorcycles. The protagonists of both films manage to be both terrible and amazing actors at the same time. Knight Rider starred Ed Harris, and Ghost Rider starred none other than Nicolas Cage. And there's a television show with a very similar title to both movies. There's a TV sh- there was a TV show called Knight Rider, Knight is N-I-G-H-T, from the 1980s starring David Hasselhoff, and there was also a Canadian mystery series called Ghost Writer, as in to a, somebody who writes, in the 1990s, which starred a bunch of Canadians. The only which I can think of is it's a guy named Sheldon Turnipseed, and I only remember that because his name obviously stood out. You really pulled that one out of your ass, didn't you? Oh, so this is the guy who like picked a porn, a video game, and compared Martin to Twilight. So there you have it. If you want to watch an A-movie version of Knight Riders, check out The Rock or Ghost Rider. Now I think it's time for us to drink <laughs> drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. Bum, 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 bum. As I knock my fucking microphone over, I'm going to give you some drinking games for this movie, and then Paul will as well. But remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time Ed Harris is naked, take a drink. Number two, every time a motorcycle flips over, take a drink. Number three, every time Ken Forey is on screen, take a drink. Number four, whenever the Blackbird is seen or talked about, take a drink. And of course, number five, because it's George Romero month, anytime something comes back from the dead or is referred to as dead, take a drink. Every time a cop tries to extort money from the Renaissance Fair, take a drink. Every time the king decides to fight in one of the jousting matches, Take a drink. Every time somebody, every time people are having sex in the woods, take a drink. And every time there's some kind of drama between the Renaissance um, fair members, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away the flick. If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-movie related, you can leave a comment on either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com dash bmoviebros. Follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros or my personal Twitter handle at bmoviepaul. You can check out all our other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website, bmoviebros.com, where we have new shows each week. If you want to support the show, consider donating to either our PayPal or our Patreon accounts. So we've come to the end of George Romero Tribute Month, and I think it's time for us to rank all four movies we've seen. Uh, for me, in the number four spot is The Crazies from 1973. It's a great movie. It moves a little slow at times, but it's, it's very coherent, and uh, I like the characters. Number three, Night Riders from 1981. Although it doesn't have a great story, the action sequences are just so unique and fun that I just put all the other things aside. Number two, Night of the Living Dead, 1968. The, you know, father of the modern zombie movie. It, it just has such a great story, such great characters, and everything just works perfectly, including the late, great Bill Heinzman as oh, yeah. the original ghoul. Uh, 
And number one, Martin. Combining character, story, beautiful cinematography, dialogue, and just everything blended so well together to make my favorite, personal favorite, vampire movie from 1976. My list is slightly different, but at number four, I've got Knight Rider. The motorcycle rides were cool. The casting was great, but man, they couldn't pull this one off. Like, I... I'm a stickler for a story, or if they're not going to have a plot, at least don't even try. But this one tried and unfortunately failed. Number three was The Crazies. Well, not the best film, and it was definitely overshadowed by Night of the Living Dead. It was still fun and comes together relatively nicely. Number two is Night of the Living Dead. The first zombie movie is still one of the best. It is nearly perfect and is a pleasure to watch every time. However, number one is Martin. Martin is a perfect mix of social commentary, character, uh, character study, and just overall a, has such a unique plot that you just can't, you just can't help but, like, but enjoy it every time you watch it. Every time I've watched Martin, I've, I've had a different interpretation of it. I've learned something or noticed something different, and there's just really no other movie quite like it. It's definitely George Romero's George Romero at his best, and unfortunately also one of his most underrated films. So there you have it. Next week begins October, which here at B-Movie Bros is our cult classics month. This year we're going to take on the worst films of popular horror franchises. Starting next week, which is going to be the worst of George Romero's Living Dead Sextet? Which of the six movies is it going to be? Your guess is as good as ours. Tune in next time to find out. Well, we can at least be sure it's not going to be Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, or Day of the Dead, because those are undeniably awesome. Well, Paul just used your lifeline of 50-50. So, until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more.